0: You are listening to an Awkward Human podcast. For more information on this podcast or all of our shows, visit awkwardhuman.com/slash shows. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. It's the show. This is the show welcome all right so i am your host richard cardenas and you are listening to interview with a comic book nerd hey i didn't stumble on it this time i know my title just wait till next week when i fuck it up again hey everyone welcome to the show hope you guys are having a great start of the week so far it is wednesday um what is happening with me oh this is happening uh, My copy of the Blu-ray of Power Rangers came in the mail today. And I'm very excited to like watch that again because I loved it the first time around. Um, Yeah, I'm one of those guys. I'm one of those kinds of nerds. I love me some Power Rangers. Um, I think, when did I finish watching it? I Okay, so like the original run started, I think it was like 1992 or 93 or something like that. I think I watched it through turbo and then stopped when they went into space. By that time I was 18. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not that old. <laughs> but uh I don't know. Uh I think that was maybe like four seasons in in. Um I think okay, so they had the first season which was just regular Mighty Morphin Power Rangers and then I think they had the second season which they turned into like ninjas or something like that. Uh they ended up making a movie as well. Uh, And then after that, I think they did the Zeo, which involved like crystals or something. They like went back in time where they turned into children or something. They were time displaced, basically. And uh, these aliens came down to Earth to like help them out and be Power Rangers for them because they were way too young. And then after that what happened i think after that was the turbo and that's when they introduced this little kid he was like a 12 year old who was able to be a power ranger and who wasn't fucking jealous of that seriously Uh, so that that one and then i think after that they went into space um yeah i'm sure that interested maybe half of you (laughs) but yeah anyway i'm excited to watch that again i i loved that movie so much it 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 Paid such respect to the series, in my opinion. And it was like completely different, but it, it still was very, very delightful. So, if you haven't checked it out and you're a fan of the original series, in my opinion, it was really, really good and I really enjoyed it. It was everything I could have asked for in a reboot. So, anyway, um, let's get into the recap. All right. So, this week I am talking about Titans Annual Number no. One. This came out a few months ago. Uh, this is part of the Rebirth series. Um, this is written by Dan Abnett, art by Min Kyu Jung, uh, colors by Adriano Lucas, and letters by Carlos M Mangual. Mangual, Mangual, Mangual. I'm not sure, but that's who that's who the creative team is on this one. Okay, so uh, Titans Annual Number One. Okay, so this is. Let's see. I liked this. Um, I'm gonna try to let let's let's slow it down, you guys. I'm gonna speak a little slower. You know, we don't have to rush through life. <laughs> so, oh that was a firework, you guys. Uh Independence Day is is close, close to, to happening, and and LA is a riot of fireworks at the moment. And so if you hear more of those. That's, that's all that's happening is people are celebrating a little too early. Anyway, let's get into the recap now. So we open up with Garth. Um, that's, I think his name is Tempest. That's his code name. And I think he used to be Aqualad. Uh, but anyway, he's shouting. He's like somewhere. We don't know. It looks like a warehouse. And he's you know asking if anyone's there. He doesn't really know where he's at. And both Wally and Barry, and those are the Flashes, the Flash Eye, uh, they show up. And they're, you know, trying to figure out what's happening. And eventually Aquaman shows up and then Nightwing shows up and little by little people are showing up and they all just kind of appeared in this warehouse or like, I don't know. I don't know if it's a warehouse or not, but it looks like a warehouse and they all just kind of appeared. They don't have any kind of memory of how they got there. Eventually they come across Wonder Woman and Donna Troy and uh, I don't think Donna has a code name at this moment. Uh, maybe she does, but they've never used it, or at least I haven't read it or remember it. But anyway, Donna Troy is there. Um, Donna's trying to convince Diana that she is really Donna, and Diana doesn't trust her or anyone else there because, you know, she's in the same boat. She just appeared in this place, and it doesn't make any sense to her, so she doesn't know if she can trust anyone. Eventually, Batman shows up, and now we've got our eight characters there um, for the issue. Those are the superheroes we're going to be dealing with. Uh, we see the bad guy in this, and I think his name is The Key. Um, that's a question mark on my behalf because I'm not sure. I think they referred to him as the key, but I was like, are they talking about him? Is that his name or is it because he's holding an actual key in his hand and they're referring to that key? Don't know, but apparently he's some guy. So anyway, the key is there and he is, uh, the guy who basically trapped them in this place. I don't know how he teleported them. I think he's has like an ability to unlock doors or like portals or something, Um, And he seems to be talking to someone, but this someone is someone we don't see or anyone who responds ever. So he's talking about using the heroes as a sort of way to release this mystery person. Um, Eventually, the heroes realize that they are comprised of basically the legacy characters and then the characters that came after them. So, you know... Batman is uh, Nightwing's mentor. And then you've got Wonder Woman, who was Donna's mentor. You've got Aquaman, who was uh, Tempest's mentor. And then you've got both Flash... Flash-Eye. I'm going to call him Flash-Eye because I like it. <laughs> anyway, you've got both flash Is I I already fucked up my own rule, didn't I? Anyway, they're both there. And um, what's really nice is that the Barry and Wally relationship kind of it's kind of different and Barry like mentions that to Wally because all of, all of the older characters are treating the younger characters as these like protege people, these people who are kind of still a step below them still learning. But Barry, you know, sees Wally as an equal uh, and they have this nice moment between them where Barry tells him, you know, they're calling you protege. They're calling you, my boy or whatever but you know that's not how i feel about you right and while he's you know he's thankful for it and everything so they have this nice little moment uh eventually they get attacked by who seems to be metallo who's a bad guy i guess i don't know who he is but you know he shows up and they all team up to take him down and they eventually come to the conclusion that this isn't the actual metallo uh so we learn that the that the key is trying to break them up somehow. He wants them to like reveal secrets to each other and he wants to use their reactions as this kind of conduit or something to release the person he's been talking to. So eventually there's another attack on uh, the heroes and these are the parademons. These are the minions of apocalypse who is this, uh, I guess, huge bad guy who I think is kind of out of the way at the moment and everyone's kind of confused as to why these parademons are attacking. Um, They eventually realize that they're not really having much trouble taking them out and you know they they figure out that someone is messing with them. They don't know who but they know that someone is messing with them. Batman uses the like a pair of goggles that he got from one of the parademons and he tries to figure out like basically the structure of the building, how they can get out, if there are any weak points in any of the walls. Uh he tells everyone that um all but one of them is a human and everyone turns to Donna because Wonder Woman's been accusing her of not being real this whole time, like just like completely disrespecting her whereas the other uh mentors have been kind of like helping out the younger ones and and trying to work together but Wonder Woman has been treating Donna like nothing like she just doesn't trust her she doesn't trust anyone and Donna's got her feelings hurt or whatever but anyway because of all that uh Batman reveals that one of them isn't human and they all turn to Donna and Wonder Woman um I guess she was right technically after you know the reveal that happens but Donna kind of denies it she's like no you guys like look at me I'm human or whatever and Diana, you know, she comes to her defense. Uh, Wonder Woman comes to Donna's defense, and she reveals the big secret about Donna, which is that Donna isn't human. And she starts telling everyone that Donna was made of clay to, like, destroy Wonder Woman. And when she was a baby, they took her and raised her on Themyscira. So, or I don't know if she was raised on Themyscira or if she was just raised by Amazons, but maybe they're one in the same. Uh, so they raised her there so that she wouldn't, you know, kill Wonder Woman so that she'd be raised with different uh morals and and different goals I guess. And this kind of devastates Donna because she didn't know this about herself. She always thought that she was just a baby who who was found and raised by the Amazons. She didn't realize that she was created to kill Wonder Woman. Um but the Titans, you know, the the younger kids, the Titans, they come over to her and they kind of reassure her and they say, you know, like, no matter how you were born or created, like, we're your friends. We love you. Like, don't worry about it. This doesn't change anything about the relationship we have with you guys. I mean, with you, with you, Donna. Uh, so it it's kind of nice, but she's still really devastated. And the key, uh, I'm going to keep emphasizing the way I say that because... I could be talking about a key, but I'm talking about the key. So the key, he's like really happy about this. And he realizes that her devastation isn't quite enough um, to, to, to help him release this mystery person. So he's trying to think of other ways that he can kind of have the same thing happen to the other characters. He knows apparently that there are other secrets that need to be shared. uh, But, they haven't been, so he's kind of like hoping for more of this horrifying emotional reaction because somehow that's going to release this mystery person. Um But anyway, her her devastation and her cry or whatever, they're able to penetrate whatever shield he has up. And Lilith, she's one of the um psionics, I think they call her. She's like a psionic person who can, you know, she has tele- telepathy and stuff she's able to hear her from the outside. And so they're, she's with Superman and a few of the other Justice League and Titans. And they're they're trying to come up with a plan to find out where they are. Uh, eventually, Batman uses the goggles to locate a weak point in the walls. And he sees that the key, he doesn't know who it is at the time, but the key is on the other side. And he's like, that's where we need to hit. So all the heroes, you know, like get together and they bust open the wall and they confront the key and he basically tells them like you can't beat me but then superman shows up and he's like oh actually maybe you can so he opens a portal and gets away Um, the issue ends with all the heroes kind of like together again um, outside of this warehouse thing and we see diana and donna and diana apologizes to her she's like i'm i'm sorry you know for for not telling you this before and it it's it's a sweet moment but i don't know that it's like definitively that it's okay for donna you know this is a huge thing for her so she doesn't i don't know i don't know if she accepts it or if 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 this is just going to be something that she has to kind of cope with but it, it's kind of a sad ending uh to leave it on um but after all that we go back to the key and he's talking to this mystery person he's like hey sorry you know like i failed but i can help you get out like still put your trust in me because i can have another plan but this mystery person is having none of it still we don't hear him talk him or her i don't know but we don't hear this person talking or anything or see this person talking but this person locks up the key in some other dimension or something. He opens this portal. It's a door, and he like, shuts it on the key, and that's how it ends. So we're left wondering, who is this person? Maybe we've already you know, been told who it is because I'm months behind. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I wanted to talk about that one because I really liked it. I was actually reading for about three or four nights. I was reading a Spider-Man issue or a Spider-Man comic, Uh, this is, you know, like his origin stories, Uh, the very first uh, issues that came out of Spider-Man back in, like, the 60s, and it was about Sandman, and it literally took me about four nights to finish (laughs) because it was so, so heavy with dialogue and narration. It's, It's ridiculous. The 60s were ridiculous, and I think they don't get that much better until fairly recently but anyway um i didn't get to read that many comic books but this was one that i did get to read and i really liked it so i'm sharing it with with all of you um yeah and that's it so uh i like titans i i'm not really connected with the characters as much as i would like to be because i think there are too many of them and in the beginning they focused a lot on wally so we didn't really get to learn much about the others Uh, But I think I'm at the point where maybe that will possibly change. They're now focusing on all the characters versus just Wally, But there's still too many of them to really get any grasp on who uh, these individual characters are. But anyway, I'm enjoying the comic. Um, Hopefully, I'll get a little bit more out of it soon. Um, I don't know. Like I said, I'm months behind, so it's possible that they've changed the way it is. Anyway, now that that's out of the way, I did want to mention one quick little thing, which was... Amy Pascal backtracked her comments about the Spider-Man universe and Sony's, you know, connection to the MCU and everything. And she's basically like, hey guys, it venom and black and Sable and white silver and black, uh, whatever it's called silver, Sable and black cat. Like none of them are going to be part of um, there goes another firework guys. Uh, none of them are going to be part of the MCU. That was just me being silly uh so fuck you (laughs) but maybe maybe not you know maybe I'm still holding out hope that one of those one of those end credit scenes in the spider in in the spider-man movie will be a reveal of you know a symbiote or something that will lead into it I don't know who cares I'm gonna see those movies anyway because I love superhero movies so who am I to say anything anyway with all that done This episode is with Eric Ravenscraft. He is from HowToGeek.com. He actually works with Whitson. Whitson is his editor um, at HowToGeek. And this... Okay, we talked about Thanos. And he is like kind of the big bad right now in the MCU. And this... Okay. (laughs) I don't even... I have no words because this conversation was so, so fascinating. It's one of my favorite interviews i've done so far and you guys that the ending to this interview was so bone-chilling to me if you don't know much about thanos if you haven't read anything about like the infinity gauntlet or anything like that um we 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 had the conversation tying it back to the mcu and kind of like where it's going how they're going to utilize him maybe and you know what what are the comparisons to the comics and holy shit (laughs) okay like just like the whole conversation is interesting so you're not gonna have a problem sticking with it but stick with it because the end was so bone chilling to me i i I just listen and you'll know why Uh, so anyway without further ado here is my interview with eric ravenscraft about thanos started um all right so i'm recording now uh Eric, welcome to my show.
1: Hi, thanks for having me.
0: Um, we have you here to talk about Thanos, who is actually our first villain, I think, that we're going to be talking about, uh, which yeah. is exciting. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know too much about Thanos because all I basically know about him is what we've seen in the movies so far, and yeah. that hasn't been much. Uh, so what what is he? He's like a Titan. What does that mean in the Marvel Universe?
1: Uh, well, in the Marvel universe, the Titans actually come from Saturn's moon called Titan. So Titan is more the like, like Earthling you would use for us. Mm. Uh, specifically, Thanos is a member of a race called the Eternals, um, and he carries what's called the Deviant Gene, which kind of makes him a mutant among his people. So, so there's a, a race of of beings called the Eternals that are designed to be. Perfect humanoid beings living on Saturn's moon uh, that were created by an even more higher cosmic being set of beings called the Celestials, mm. uh, which in the comics are giant <laughs> robots. The the cosmic side of the Marvel universe gets really weird. Uh-huh. But for reference, we actually see Celestials in the recent Guardians of the Galaxy movie. Uh, Star Lord's dad is one of the Celestials. So to give you an idea of like where Thanos is coming from. Think of a race of people like Peter's dad creating another race of perfect people, and then one of them is a mutant. You get Thanos, kind of, in the comics. That that's a dramatic oversimplification, <laughs> but he's he's a really powerful cosmic being that's even more powerful than his his people or the race around him. Mm.
0: Um. So what, he. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Ahead. Um. What about him? is powerful like what does that mean when you say he's powerful
1: uh he he has incredibly durable skin really fast reflexes he's he's one of those beings that in the comics kind of has whatever power is necessary mm. he's super strong he's super durable basically nothing can hit him he can go toe to toe with the hulk in a fist fight and come away unscathed oh uh most things can't destroy him Uh, but his biggest power is his intellect. He's usually uh, a schemer. He's thinking several moves ahead of even the other villains he's allied with and looking at the big picture. Mm -hmm. Uh, That comes into play a lot in one of his most famous stories, The Infinity Gauntlet, where uh, we're actually seeing this play out in the Marvel Cinematic Universe right now, where every so often one of the movies has a really powerful stone that can teleport people through space or control time, like we just saw in Doctor Strange. Mm -hmm. Thanos in the comics is the guy who sees all of those and figures out that you can use all of those stones together to create one mega item that literally makes you a god. Mm. It, It gives you the power to control absolutely everything in the entire universe. And that's what makes Thanos so scary is while everyone else sees the immediate threat Thanos is planning the big threat that comes later on down the road which is why he's the big bad of the Marvel Cinematic Universe right now. Everyone else is playing checkers and he's playing chess.
0: <laughs> right. So um you say he's the schemer like so he must obviously be allying himself with people um or is he he's not actually like going after the stones himself he's having people retrieve them for him, right?
1: Right. Well, okay, so in the in the movie right now, we don't totally know who he's allied with. Uh, there have been some rumors that he's... Uh, this might be a spoiler, but I genuinely don't know that he's allying himself with something called the Black Order, which in some of the later comics is a group of people that he puts together to help him kill his, his son, his estranged son that's on Earth. I don't think the movies are going for that plot line. But the Black Order includes several people named including characters named black dwarf corvus glave ebony maw proxima midnight and super giant uh, <laughs> really I, silly names
0: i know none of them
1: no <laughs> no nope, nope, no one they they show up in a in a recent a relatively recent comic series called infinity that it was i think it came out in 2013 they're all named after celestial bodies and stuff and they're all kind of really kind of generic villains. Mm. Uh, one's like really big Hulk type. One's a, a schemer. One's a, a martial artist. One's telepathic or whatever. Um, in the movies, he might be allying with them. But in the Infinity Gauntlet storyline that they're drawing from a lot in the comic, uh, the comic that they're drawing a lot from for the movies, uh, Thanos doesn't have too many allies. He prefers to do a lot of the work himself. And he, he, gets the stones from six different people who have them. For example, one of the characters that we've seen in the movies so far, the collector the collector has one of the stones and he gets it from the collector by trading something. Hmm. The collector likes to trade items of, of value. And so Thanos comes to him and says, I've got an item. That's, that's really valuable. And you're going to want to give me an infinity stone for it. And the collector doesn't believe it until Thanos Gives him. I, I think it was another one of the collector's race Uh-oh. that was imprisoned and and sapped of all of his powers. So he basically performed a hostage trade. <laughs> it was it was really sadistic. And in another instance, Thanos outsmarts a character called the Grand Master. He plays a a basically a big virtual reality game with this character called the Grand Master, who's being played by Jeff Goldblum in the movies in mm. Thor Ragnarok this year. So we're probably going to see, I would guess in the movies, we're going to see Thanos go from person to person, either outsmarting them or fighting them or scheming to get the stones from them. He'll probably use the black order. I'm guessing in, in the movies to help him do this. He'll have send them out to do his dirty work if it's fighting, but I sort of expect Thanos to be very hands-on once the movies hit
0: mm-hmm.
1: so far, we've seen it's been hinted that he's using, you know, Ronin or Loki to get the stones in the movies. But that's, that seems very indirect. Right. And at the end of Age of Ultron, there's that stinger that says, fine, I'll do it myself. Uh-huh. <laughs> and it, it sort of feels like a little bit of a cop out, like like he's like, what were you doing this whole time? But, yeah, I I would expect him to use his generals to be intimidating, but also I expect Thanos to be very hands-on. He likes to, to get his hands dirty and to be the one to outsmart his enemies.
0: Okay. um, So how does he find out about these Infinity Stones? You mentioned that he kind of, like, sees them, but, like, who created them? How did he find out about them?
1: So Thanos learned about the Infinity Stones. In the comics, Thanos learned about the Infinity Stones from this thing called the Infinity Well. Uh, In the comics, Thanos has an obsession with death. Both the concept of death, as in creatures dying, but also a physical manifestation of death who happens to be a woman that he's in love with.
0: Is this the woman that marries Deadpool? Yes, actually. As a matter (laughs) of fact,
1: uh, Thanos has a a long-standing love affair with death who... In many of the stories kind of despises Thanos. Oh. She 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 really spurns his advances particularly in the Infinity Gauntlet series. But later on uh Death falls in love with Deadpool who can't die so it's it's a kind of forbidden love thing. And in in some of the comic storylines the reason Deadpool can't die is because I think it was either Thanos Thanos cursed Deadpool to be unable to die so he can't get to death
0: so they can't be together
1: (laughs) it's a really twisted love triangle (laughs) but uh but yeah in the comics Thanos is in love with death and wants to to serve death and so she gives him a task which is to kill half of all life in the universe death and also Thanos believe that life has gone too far there's it's Basically, the universe is overpopulated. they're using up too many resources if If people keep reproducing, then every planet is going to be full of people all killing each other and warring with each other, and it'll be chaos instead of paradise. So to solve this, they have to kill Thanos has to kill half of all life in the universe. that's a pretty big job uh-huh so. Thanos spends some time meditating in this mystical thing called the Infinity Well, and that's when he learns about the Infinity. In the, in the comics, they're called the Infinity Gems, and he also learns how they work together to make him essentially a god. Mm-hmm. So he convinces Mistress Death to allow him to collect the Infinity Stones to to fulfill his task. It's a little weird because he sort of is pulling one over on death as well, because if he gets the power to be this universe's literal God, he's sort of more powerful than death as well. He's not his her servant anymore. He's her master. Uh-huh. She doesn't take too kindly to that. <laughs> so when he ends up in, uh, putting together the Infinity Gauntlet, she doesn't like him. She doesn't talk to him anymore. <laughs> That's <And> fair. <laughs> he... he, he, he he doesn't like this and it, and it bruises his massive ego. So a lot of the infinity gauntlet storyline is him weirdly looking back. He kind of nice guys. He does the thing where he says, I did all this for you and now you won't, you won't be with me. Like I expected you to. And death is like, still not talking to you. (laughs) I'm I'm still mad at you. I still don't want to be with you. And so he, he, at one point he turns Nebula his in the comics she says he's his daughter and he doesn't like that. In the movies, she's also an adopted daughter mm-hmm. who hates him. He turns Nebula into this weird half dead, half undead thing and says, Look, I've made this tribute to you. And Death goes, eh. <laughs> and it just makes Thanos more mad.
0: <laughs> so So who um where did these gems come from?
1: Uh, they have, a a few different, um, origins in the comics. Uh, one of them is that in the movies, the the, th- the theory they're going with is that when the universe was created, uh, s- the collector says systems like star systems or black holes, we're not totally sure, uh, became concentrated into incredibly powerful stones or gems left over from the creation of the universe Mm. uh in in some of the comic versions it's an all-powerful being that dies and then his power gets focused into six gems so they're tied to the creation of the universe Mm -hmm. no matter which storyline we're going to end up using in the movies and some of them in the comics uh It's basically when the universe was created, these were the leftovers. We had cosmic dust flying out in all different directions. The universe is dead and moving really fast. And then there's these six gems out there. They control six different aspects of reality. There's time, space, power, reality, mind, and soul. And so far, we've seen five of those in the movies. Mm-hmm. And, and actually, in the comics, they were originally called Soul Gems, which made it confusing that one of them was also the Soul Gem, but different from the other Soul Gems. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so they, these six stones or gems in the comics had dominion over the universe that they were born from.
0: Mm. So who would you say... Okay, so it sounds like Thanos is, you know, the it guy to, like, probably take care of this goal that he wants to do uh what who would you say is kind of like his rival like who can stop him other than having like an entire team go after him
1: well interestingly thanos is what makes him one of the most powerful villains in the marvel universe is that there are very few who can actually challenge him Mm -hmm. like i said he can he can have a fist fight with the hulk so he's a little too powerful for just one person that being said one of his chief rivals in the Infinity Gauntlet storyline is Adam Warlock, who was just mentioned in the last Guardians movie. We're not sure if he's going to show up in the Infinity War movie, but Adam Warlock was created in a different way from the Eternals, by the way, to be a perfect being. He was kind of genetically created and born from a cocoon. Adam Warlock is an incredibly powerful uh, magic user. He's, he's super powered and, and, and like I said, genetically pure for whatever that means. Mm -hmm. And Adam Warlock, more importantly, is one of the few who can outsmart Thanos. In, in the Infinity Gauntlet storyline, Adam Warlock uh, actually spends some time within the Soul Gem. It's the only one of the stones that has a world inside it. And so Adam Warlock has kind of a connection to this this mystical world inside one of the stones and he's adam warlock assembles all of the other heroes in the universe to fight thanos but he knows that they can't win thanos has the infinity gauntlet so he's he's omnipotent there's nothing they can do but adam warlock knows thanos's mind thanos despite being powerful and despite being egotistical has a lot of insecurity Uh, during the storyline he intentionally limits his own power just to make it a fair fight with the heroes because he likes to win there's no challenge in it It, it's kind of like he turned off god mode in the game just so that he can have a challenge (laughs) so and adam warlock knows that thanos is going to do this he knows that despite his bravado thanos deep down believes he should be defeated because he doesn't think he's good enough. Oh. He doesn't think he's good enough for mistress death. He doesn't think he's good enough to be a God. So despite getting phenomenal cosmic powers several times in the comics, he always loses it because he sets himself up for failure.
0: That's so interesting because when, uh prior to you saying that he has, you know, this insecurity within himself, I was thinking that he, had too much confidence and so he would lower his power because he's like i'm gonna beat them anyway but wow you saying that whole insecurity thing is like whoa that's a deeper yeah. side of the, of the character than i would have expected
1: yeah in in the infinity gauntlet story there's actually a time where adam warlock comes to see thanos after he's lost after he's lost the infinity gauntlet life has gone back to normal uh, Adam Warlock visits him and he's, Thanos is on a farm. He's not wearing <laughs> his armor. He's kind of just in a field living a quiet life. And they they kind of have this moment where it's like, did you really want it? D- did you Did you know this was going to happen? And Thanos, he's too proud to admit, yeah, I should never be a god. But they kind of have this silent moment where, Adam Warlock doesn't want to be the one with the power of the infinity gauntlet, but he has it because he's he's smart enough and he's strong and morally strong enough to handle that power without destroying the universe. Thanos wants it he wants more than anything to have the power of a god, but he's too insecure to ever be capable of holding that position for long because no matter what, he'll always do something self-defeating enough to ruin his position. And it's it's a really poignant uh, counterpoint between these two characters. One wants godhood but can never keep it. And one never wanted to have this power but has to be the one responsible for it.
0: Wow. <laughs> That's so fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it,
1: it's, it's funny because Thanos is it's become a trope where villains are like really maniacal villains are like, ah, I'm going to kill everybody. Like why? (laughs) Because it's the evil thing to do. Uh Thanos is interestingly one of the few villains to kind of have a, an emotional motivation behind it, to have a reason behind it. He, he loves death personally and that drives him to do what, what pleases her, which is something that's relatable. We've all loved someone and done something to please them, even if we're, we didn't necessarily intend to do that in the first place. Mm-hmm. And he also has a philosophical backing for it as well. Thanos genuinely believes in the concept of death. There's a, a comic leading up to Infinity Gauntlet where in, that takes place in the Silver Surfer uh, storyline. Silver Surfer, I believe, 34 and 35 where uh silver sur or thanos kind of monologues to silver surfer explaining the entire uh you know overpopulation thing you know he he makes the point that's not entirely hard to sympathize with that if there's too much life if nobody ever dies then mm-hmm. there's not going to be enough resources to go around and people are going to kill each other over it
0: mm-hmm.
1: and thanos First, he takes the Silver Surfer to Earth. He teleports him to Earth to show <laughs> it, it's its a little cheesy now looking back, but he takes him to like Tokyo at rush hour and says, look how people are packed in and treated like cattle. And then he takes him, shows him a, a garbage dump. And there's, you know, just piles and piles of garbage packed high. And then he shows him starving people who don't have enough because there's just not enough to go around or people are too, self-focused to get enough to them. And then Thanos teleports into a planet called Solaria, where there's this little, adorable little monkey-like race that live peacefully. They have no natural predators. They don't, they don't know what it's like to, to fight to survive because they have plenty of food, plenty of shelter, and nobody's trying to kill them. So it seems like paradise. And Thanos says, these Solarians are going to keep repopulating. They they have nothing to do. There's no threat to them at all. They're going to keep repopulating. And my guess is in 20 years, they will have overpopulated so much that they will take over the planet and they will starve to death. Billions of them will starve to death because millions of them didn't die now. Surfer is obviously upset at this. And Thanos says, I'm going I, to solve this problem. I'm going to kill half of all life in the universe. <laughs> And I'm going to start with the Solarians. And Silver Surfer says he wants to stop it. And Thanos says, you can't. You just helped me do it. Oh. It turns out his evil plan was while on Earth, Silver Surfer picks up some germs from oh. the, the trash heaps, <laughs> from the, the dirty cities or whatever. And they're harmless to, Earth, to, to humans. They're bacteria that are just normal here. But they're completely foreign to the Solarians. As soon as he teleported them to Solaria, those germs jumped off the surfer and started killing Solarians.
0: Wow. <laughs> what a tricky little, little yeah. smart fuck.
1: <laughs> I know. I, I love that story because that, that exemplifies how Thanos, he's not just killing to kill. He has a philosophy behind it. And he's smart enough not just to pull it off, but to make you help him with it.
0: Yeah. It, it
1: perfectly exemplifies how scary Thanos is. Because he he believes in death and he can pull off this phenomenal goal of killing half of all life in the universe.
0: And the funny thing is, like, you're describing the story to me and I'm like, oh, so, like, maybe Thanos isn't just, you know, like... Trying to 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 gain favor with death or anything. Like maybe he actually does kind of care and like in his own fucked up way. This is the way he's like showing, but then you like said that. I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> he's so
1: See, evil. <laughs> like any good villain though, he believes he's doing what's best. Well, oh, of course. And I mean, I don't I don't think any of us agree with 50% genocide. <laughs> but you know, I mean, we in real life, we have legitimate overpopulation concerns Uh we all wonder what's going to happen if too many people are are born or whatever i i'm not fatalistic about that personally but you know it comes from it kind of targets an inherent worry that a lot of people have like what if this really did happen and thanos in a twisted way says i have the answer Uh i can tell you the solution to your overpopulation problems to your problems of war and and famine it's to kill half of everyone and you go that's scary <laughs> yeah that that's really intimidating because it it almost sounds like the kind of thing that someone could believe it it sounds not necessarily believable but feasible
0: mm-hmm. to believe
1: that someone would think this way
0: right um so you mentioned Silver Surfer and um I don't I'm not too familiar with his character uh but you know in the Fantastic Four movie he's kind of like um a servant of uh Galactus.
1: That's correct. Yeah. And, in, in
0: Yeah. And, Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> and yeah. Galactus is, you know, like known as the World Eater. Um yeah. so he's kind of sort of doing the same thing Thanos is doing but I'm sure with completely different motivations.
1: Yeah it it's Silver Surfer's relationship with Galactus is interesting because Galactus to very briefly and kind of inaccurately summarize Galactus Galactus has to exist for the universe to be balanced not just in the oh well if if he dies then too many people are born but like if Galactus stops eating worlds the universe starts to fall apart
0: mm.
1: and so Galactus fills kind of a similar role as Thanos, but more natural. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Galactus is the universe's immune system against too much life, sort of. And Silver Surfer is a herald of Galactus because Galactus came to Silver Surfer's world and Surfer didn't want him to eat his planet. Obviously, who would? (laughs) So Galactus offered a deal instead. He said, if you find me other planets that I can eat, I'll spare yours. And so Silver Surfer kind of ended up in a, a sort of involuntary alliance with Galactus. Now, to be fair, by the time of Infinity Gauntlet, I believe Surfer had been at least temporarily freed of Galactus. He's He's been a herald and then not, and then a herald again a lot in the comics. Mm-hmm. But he has done kind of the same thing. you know. So the surfer has sought out planets full of life. Like one of the contingencies of Galactus is he has, Galactus must feed and that feeding must include planets that have life on it. You can't just go pick a dead planet or something. So the surfer has gone out to find planets to offer up to Galactus. And surfer kind of rationalizes that with himself and says, you know, I did that, But I had to, you know, I I had to to serve Galactus because otherwise my people would die. Otherwise, the universe would get destroyed. You know, it was necessary, Mm -hmm. which is kind of fascinating because every villain thinks that. Right. You know, Thanos believes that killing half of all life in the universe is necessary as well because it's the task given to him by death and death exists as a cosmic balance as well. So it's a little strange to see them on opposite sides of this issue, but Surfer just has more sympathy for life in in the universe, which Thanos kind of sees as a weakness.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: He, he sort of sees it as if if you care for everybody, then nobody will die and it'll be chaos. And so there's there's sort of two sides of the same coin in, in a way.
0: Uh-huh. Um, so has Thanos and Galactus ever kind of like crossed paths personally between them because I'm imagining that if they were ever to to meet up that they have kind of the same goal but different motivations and if Galactus were to accomplish his goal of getting rid of half the universe I would imagine I mean sorry Thanos were to accomplish the goal of getting rid of half the universe I would imagine that Galactus's role would kind of almost be rendered useless for a while.
1: Uh, kind of, I, I'm not totally clear on how, how Galactus having to feed would factor into, uh, Thanos' mission. If he wiped out half of all universe, I'm pretty sure, half of all life in the universe, I'm pretty sure Galactus would still have to feed. Because he's, his kind of comes from an internal hunger rather than a a balancing force. Oh, so it's not Um, just
0: about, like, keeping the universe from collapsing, but it's also because he needs to feed. Right. Like, he,
1: he literally has to feed and his existence is part of that immune balance. He, he, Galactus isn't on like a mission necessarily. Saying, "Well, I I'm not really that hungry, but life's got to be balanced out." So okay. <laughs> I guess I guess I'll go to the buffet. Uh-huh. Uh, but uh, but that being said, uh, Gal- Galactus and Thanos have crossed paths crossed paths a little bit. Interestingly, in one of the main crossover events called uh, Annihilation, Thanos actually used Gal like he. He managed to commandeer Galactus's power. This is kind of unrelated to his his goal to kill all, half of all life in the universe, but it was yet another one of Thanos's attempts to gain power and destroy his enemies. He he used this this other universe enemy called the Annihilation Way in order to attack Galactus and he inevitably, inevitably or, or he eventually Kind of turned Galactus into a slave. He used this big technological machine to siphon off galactus's power to become his own, which, in that case, that actually ended up kind of having a negative effect on the universe as well. You know, life and the universe started to degrade because Galactus wasn't free to fulfill his purpose he wasn't free to feed he was just strapped into a machine giving power to Thanos and he can't kill planets so it, it, they have an interesting rivalry um in Infinity Gauntlet actually Galactus was one of many many cosmic beings to show up and try to put the smack down on Thanos uh-huh. but uh and Thanos obviously wasn't pleased with that so They have kind of an antagonistic approach to each other. Unfortunately, we probably won't get to see that in the movies because I think Fox still owns the rights to Galactus, Mm. but that would be an amazing uh, fight (laughs) if if we could actually see that.
0: Yeah. So while Thanos is kind of siphoning off this power from Galactus, he's just not using it?
1: Uh. It, it's it's honestly been a while since I I read that. I know Thanos has sought out ultimate power a lot in the comics. One of his earliest stories was to get the cosmic cube, which, in true comic book fashion, is silly. It it grants wishes, uh-huh. um, <laughs> but it, it it's an incredibly powerful uh, object. Kind of not quite as powerful as the infinity gauntlet, but pretty powerful. Um, Interestingly, the movies kind of turned the Cosmic Cube into one of the Infinity Stones. Mm. But in the comics, he he tried to get the Cosmic Cube, and then later on he tried to get the Infinity Stones. And Thanos is always kind of trying to look to augment his power. You know, he's he's a super strong Titan mutant, but he doesn't just want, you know, to be super strong. He wants to be a god. Like I said before, he's, he's gotten god-level powers several times. So when he was trying to siphon off galactus's power it was the same thing it was uh, galactus has a thing called the power cosmic which is another silly comic book name but it's it's actually what gives the silver surfer his powers and any other heralds of galactus so thanos tried to siphon that power off to basically do the exact same thing he did with the cosmic cube and the infinity gauntlet to uh become another ultimate power in the universe. And I, I actually, I think I recall now, he was he was trying to use the power cosmic in that storyline to destroy all life now in, oh. in this storyline to and be the last remaining thing alive in the universe. But obviously that plan doesn't go very well. Um, actually, I believe in that storyline, Drax, the destroyer, kills Thanos. Oh. Which was one of, like... In the comics, Drax was created specifically to kill Thanos. Um, He's given more character development in the movies, but in Infinity Gauntlet, in Annihilation, I think in Infinity as well later on, Drax keeps showing up with just one drive. He has to kill Thanos. Killing Thanos is his only purpose in life. So in that one, we actually get to see him finally do that. He, He... Punches straight through Thanos and kills him. So it's it's a really dramatic panel in that comic. Uh But yeah, Thanos is kind of always after the same thing. Kill everything and become a god. And he (laughs) always seems to fail.
0: What what does he kind of like believe would happen were he to succeed in killing all life? Like, what would that mean for him just being alone?
1: Well, he wouldn't be alone because the if if all life in the universe were destroyed he would have one companion death oh, because
0: death right. is the
1: yeah death is the living embodiment of or personified embodiment i should say of death so if everything in the universe was dead there'd be nothing left but thanos and death, uh-huh, which is yeah. probably paradise <laughs> for him. But yeah. depending on where she is in the storyline, I don't think she likes that very much. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, I want to go a little bit into, um, not necessarily the movies, but uh, the movies at least taught me that um, he does have the two daughters, which are Gamora and Nebula. Um, and it sounds almost like just because they're called daughters that they're a little bit more to him than say one of his soldiers or you know whatever um what is that relationship like in the comic books
1: uh i think the best way i can explain that is it's kind of greek mythology ish Mm. you know zeus had a lot of kids from a lot of different weird relationships and thanos isn't a ton different uh to use nebula as an example there's Nebula insists that she is blood daughter to Thanos in the comics. And Thanos resents this. Thanos actually hates his children mm. um, more often than not. He, uh, he refuses to acknowledge that Nebula is his daughter. The comic or the movies rather seem to be implying more that he, he has adopted quote daughters that are kind of like more soldiers that he modifies. Mm-hmm. But in the comics, Nebula isn't saying, I'm I'm an adopted daughter of Thanos. It, it's literally, she says, you're my father. And he says, uh, no, get a paternity test because <laughs> you are not my daughter. No one's my daughter. And I, I think he kind of has like mixed feelings about progeny in general, because that sort of, to him, symbolizes life continuing on. Mm. Uh, in the more recent uh, storyline called Infinity, Thanos actually comes to Earth to look for, he's trying to kill all of his children in the universe, and he learns that he has one son on Earth. And he wants to find out where this son is. And because of overlapping comic book storylines, a lot of Earth's heroes are away dealing with another cosmic threat. Uh So Thanos kind of shows up in the dark of the night to find his son and kill him. And he he ends up running into the Inhumans, which I don't think I think there's supposed to be a TV show sort of slash movie coming out soon with the Inhumans royal family, and they've been touched on in Agents of Shield. But in the in the comics, the Inhumans are kind of like uh, a a different type of X Men. The Inhumans were created by uh, genetic experiments on early humans, and they're kind of a, a lineage that have been carrying on sort of like mutant powers for a long time, but they don't get them. They don't get their powers in at puberty. They get them through a ritual where they're exposed to a mist mm-hmm. and the inhumans have a secret city on earth where the inhuman Royal family lives. And it sort of turns out that Thanos's son is one of these inhumans Oh, and uh, Thanos confronts the leader of the Inhumans royal family, who detonates a bomb that sh- that blows this mist over the entire planet, turning everyone who might have the dormant Inhuman gene into their fully powered self. And we find out that Thanos' son uh, was just a normal guy in in like a of of a, a remote village. He 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 just tried to heal people. He was, he was a little doc. He was a doctor trying to heal the, the less fortunate. But when the mist takes over the entire earth and transforms anyone who's got inhuman blood, uh, he get he activates his powers, which are also tied to Thanos. He turns into another purple faced creature and his power is death. He makes everything dead and it's traumatic for him because as soon as this happens, he ends up killing everyone in the village that he was trying to help. And that actually is what draws Thanos to him. Uh, I think it's, the son's name ends up being Thane. Mm. And it, it's another one of those tragic Shakespearean characters where uh, he, he only wanted to heal people in life, but because of his lineage from Thanos, his destiny was death. And for some reason, Thanos still wants to kill him.
0: <laughs> well, but, I would imagine it's like he wants to be the one to kill and not have yeah. like his son do, having this specific uh, power set.
1: <laughs> yeah. Like, like I said, it's very Shakespearean. It's very like <laughs> yeah, the family just hates each other. Like the one part they've gotten in the movies so far is, like I said, Nebula is not really his blood daughter mm-hmm. in the movies and it's questionable in the comics but in the movies they have gotten that anyone who is or claims to be family with thanos they're not having a good time they hate all <laughs> they hate each other they hate thanos thanos hates them thanos wants to kill them thanos wants to torture them it's it's a really twisted family dynamic and above all else thanos just hates his kids he will i mean he already wants to kill all life in the universe but he will really kill people just to be able to kill his family uh-huh. Thanos isn't a sane person by the way <laughs>
0: this he, he, like he's
1: it. referred to as the mad Titan for uh. a reason
0: <laughs> um, so where is he now? I know that the Thane storyline is probably a little bit more recent um, but what what's going on with him like right now?
1: T- to be honest, I'm not caught up on on recent events I, I sort of the last place I ended was in the uh secret war event that was kind of a reboot of the entire Marvel Comics. Mm-hmm. So I haven't been able to keep up with where he's at now. Uh, the last I heard, Galactus accidentally brought him back to life. Oh. <laughs> I, I don't know what button Galactus slipped and fell on to bring him <laughs> back, but it, that's the other thing is Galactus, or me, uh, Thanos seems to die a lot. Uh, right before the Infinity Gauntlet, even, he was dead. And de- death, Mistress Death brought him back to life. Oh, so that he could kill half of all life in the universe. So th- a lot of people in, in comics tend to die and come back. Uh-huh. But Thanos does it a lot more often because he's <laughs> kind of got an in with death. <laughs> so, you know, he, he'll die and show up at death and she'll be like, really? And he'll be like, <laughs> yeah, can you, can you help me out? So he's, he's last I checked, he's back alive in, in the current comics. But like I said, I'm not totally caught up. Uh-huh. But he's 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 probably going to be trying to kill everybody again.
0: Uh huh. So okay, well that's fair. <laughs> um, where do you kind of want to see him go? Like he is an evil, you know, villain, and I guess you can't really have him actually destroying the world, but um, or the universe. But like, what? Where? Where do you see him going?
1: Well, right now I'm really excited for the movies. I I love some of his stories in the comics, but the movies are what I'm really excited for because mm-hmm. when you read the Infinity Gauntlet storyline, excuse me, it's clear that that story doesn't work in like a standalone movie. Uh, when we got the second Fantastic Four film of the previous Fantastic Four movies, <laughs> the, one was, the one with Silver Surfer and Galactus, uh, They kind of turned Galactus eating Earth into just like a big cloud monster because it was just too silly. There were too many silly things to explain in one or two movies. Uh-huh. But right now in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, We've got over a dozen movies set up so far, and we're going to have several more before Infinity Gauntlet comes out. I think by the time in the second Infinity War movie is done or the sequel to Infinity War, there's going to be something like close to 20 movies. Mm-hmm. Like it's making a really grand epic story. So in Infinity Gauntlet, the comic, Thanos actually does kill half of all life in the universe. He gets the gauntlet and he does this by just snapping his fingers. Wow. And across the universe, half of all people just disappear. They're gone. They're dead. And that would be silly to do in one movie. But with all this buildup we've got now in the the Marvel Cinematic Universe, we've got Star Lord hanging out on, on Xandar and and other planets, including his father. And we've got people on Earth. We've got the Kree. We've got civilizations all over the the galaxy, all over the universe. And Doctor Strange has entered other parallel universes. And we finally, we're starting to get a bigger grasp of, of this giant universe. So now, if we get to the point in the movies where we can actually get a Thanos who's obsessed with death, and and I'm really hoping they make him very Shakespearean, Greek mythological type crazy. I'm hoping that they, they focus on that and not just, oh, I love a woman and I want to snap my fingers and kill everyone. Mm-hmm. But I'm really looking forward to hopefully seeing that aspect on screen for once. To see a, a grand cosmic threat that feels earned. Where we can look at planets all over the universe and people all over the planet Earth and watch them just disappear and and, and see how scary it is because that threat is really hard to fight. Uh, in the Infinity Gauntlet comic, you know, everybody just dies, but nobody knows why because Thanos is just sitting on a rock in space and he did that. Mm-hmm. No one had any, he didn't show up and punch people to death. He just snapped his fingers. So it was scary for everyone else in the rest of the universe. And so I'm sort of looking forward to seeing all of these characters that we've encountered so far in the movies, watch as this threat, and some of them may even die or disappear. So I'm looking forward to seeing that happen on a really grand scale and feel a villain with a powerful psychology and powerful motivation behind him push this really ominous threat that feels too big to actually accomplish. Like most movies, a big scary thing happens, someone gets a MacGuffin and you know it's going to be over in two hours i want something that feels too big for that Uh that feels too big to be wrapped up
0: by the end of the movie i mean when you (laughs) when you said that he snaps his fingers and half the universe dies like (laughs) that like gave me chills because i'm picturing them doing you know the first avengers infinity movie and it ending with that just like snapping the fingers and and the screen goes blank and we have to wait till the next one (laughs)
1: I'm I'm kind of crossing my fingers that that's the shot it ends on oh, because God. that would be the most amazing thing. They've said it's not going to be a two-parter; it's going to be two separate movies in the same story, which I guess makes sense. And there's two movies in between it, so maybe they won't do it. I'm trying not to get my hopes up, but <laughs> that would be really cool, that though, would right? Be perfect. <laughs> it would be so perfect. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd love to see it end there. That would be that would that would make my life if the first movie is all about Thanos getting the stones. And he just kills everyone. Cut to black. Yes. <laughs> the, the only time I felt something like that is kind of at the, at the end of the the second of the Hobbit movies, where Smog, smog, however you say it, never, I never hear people say it the same way <laughs> twice. Uh, he he emerges from the Lonely Mountain and says, "I'm fire. I'm death," and goes over to to Lake Town, intent on burning it ground, burning it to the ground. And and uh, Bilbo goes, "What have we done?" cut to black like that that's the kind of feeling i want to get from this
0: yeah <laughs> I'm, oh my God. I'm
1: hoping i'm not i'm not banking on it
0: but i'm hoping oh that'll be so good <laughs> <laughs> um but eric unfortunately we are almost at time um two okay. quick questions <laughs> one uh what would you recommend for people to read if they really want to get into thanos it sounds like you know the infinity gauntlet whole series but um what would you recommend
1: The Infinity Gauntlet is probably the biggest one, especially if you kind of want an insight into what's coming up in the movies and even a filter for the previous movies. Uh, But also, if you're going to read that, you can read the Infinity Gauntlet story. It's six comics. You can read that on its own. But I also recommend a couple other things. There's a two-part comic called Thanos Quest, which is Thanos collecting all of the Infinity Gems. He gets three in each of the comics. and that's sort of what I was talking about earlier, where he he outsmarts the Grandmaster, he outsmarts the Collector. Um, he actually, I think most, if not all of those gems, come from characters that are called the Elders of the Universe, which include the Collector and Grandmaster, which they're sort of setting up in the movies. So that's another good bit of background. And like I said, the uh, Silver Surfer number 34 through 38, which, is, which deals with uh, Silver Surfer coming across Thanos while he's on this this journey to getting the Infinity Gems. And I believe Silver Surfer number 40, I think comes after the Infinity Gauntlet storyline. So that's really the the base of comics for getting a sense of the Infinity Gauntlet storyline, which is one of the most pivotal storylines for Thanos. It's the one he's known for probably the most. Mm -hmm. After that, I think Infinity is personally one of my favorites. It's got a lot of characters that are newer and people probably aren't exposed to as much like the inhumans but it's a really epic story in the true sense of the word him trying to hunt down his son and it's cosmic galactic warfare warfare on a lot of fronts and he gets to fight black bolt who's a really cool character you can see him in that storyline um and he's got all of his generals which are Cool characters with silly names.
0: <laughs> um, and then my final question, which is basically wraps up the whole show. You've already explained it, but why Thanos? Why why does he draw you so much?
1: I I really like villains that are that have a lot of the characteristics of the simple villains you see. Like you, like I said before, you see villains that are like I want to kill everything. Mm-hmm. I want I want a vill- I like villains. That have a reason behind that. That have a really sadistic motivation. I, I like some villains that are like, like Sandman, where he's in in the Spider-Man three. I liked that he was just a guy down on his luck, stealing money for his sick daughter. That's that's relatable. But I really get inspired by those villains that are that are big and grandiose and have crazy ideas behind them, and they're just a little bit mad. And you don't get more mad than. The actual mad titan. <laughs>
0: yeah. Awesome. Okay. Uh, Eric, where can people find you and stuff?
1: Uh, I'm online as Lord Ravenscraft on Twitter and to a lesser extent, Instagram. And uh, professionally, I write for a tech site called How To Geek, where we help you figure out tips and tricks for fixing your computers or getting things done. Also, I do a little voice work for a show called The Blood Crow Stories. It's a serial podcast. Uh, it's a horror podcast with different themes each season, but right now we're on the first season set in a ship called the SS Utopia in the early 1900s, an underwater ship that sunk a long time ago. And there's something mysterious about it. I don't want to spoil it, but there's a really fun villain in that one too, and I... I get to play that character, and it's really fun. Nice. So you can find the Blood Crow stories on pretty much any podcast app you can find.
0: Okay, cool. That sounds interesting. I'm definitely going to check that out. Um, thank you. Thank you so much for doing my show. You're welcome, and I'm thank you for having me on. That was Eric Ravenscraft. Wasn't that bone chilling? Don't lie. You know it was. <laughs> that was Eric. I want to thank him so much for, for uh, making me go clear with Thanos. Um, that's a Scientology reference, you guys. <laughs> I'm not a Scientologist. Don't worry. Ah. Okay, so, yeah, that was Eric. That was fascinating. I absolutely loved it. We're going to have more villains coming up for you guys as well. I do have, uh, I'm not going to spoil who it is, but I do have two others coming up. Uh, two more villains coming up within the next few weeks. I've done so many interviews and I, I keep having to rearrange them. Cause I want to kind of, you know, spread out where they come from as far as which publications and everything. And who, why do you, you don't care. You, you don't care about my logistics. <laughs> why am I telling you this? You're just here for the show. Uh, uh, thank you <laughs> for doing that too. Anyway, make sure you check out how Um, I'm not a huge tech guy, but you know what? Sometimes, sometimes you need a little help figuring some shit out and you need a, a good article telling you what's better than the thing you're already using. Uh, <laughs> what an endorsement. I suck. Okay. But anyway, um, he did mention that he's on a podcast called the Blood Crow, Crow Stories. Blood Crow Stories. Let's not stumble on words, Richard. Um and I've been listening to that, and I actually really, really like it. It's actually pretty fascinating, uh, unique storytelling that I haven't really um, heard through podcasts before. I've actually been really getting into these uh, what audio dramas, uh, podcasts, and Blood Crow Stories is one of the ones that I've been listening to. I think I'm almost caught up on the season. Um, I think it's almost over. But anyway, uh, I'm really enjoying that one. So far, the characters are so interesting uh let me i 'll give you a little quick synopsis of it basically there's this uh psychologist who t- rounds up all these different people who decide to live on this ship during i think World War one or two one of those um but they 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 want to escape the war, so they go live on this ship that has like all this technology it has like a farm on it and everything, and he gives these individual people like eight people or something. this briefcase to record their interactions with, just them like j- j- journaling. Basically, he wants them to journal what's happening and then like also record whenever they're out and about, you know, the ship or whatever. And sometimes they intertwine and stuff. But anyway, it's fascinating. It's um there's mystery to it. The captain is dead and we don't know who did it Where I, I am at, in it. But anyway, go check that out. Blood Crow Stories. Um, I'll probably recommend another one that I'm listening to that I'm obsessed with as well uh, next week because I don't want to blow the load quite yet. I'm sorry, you guys that was that was gross, wasn't it? I shouldn't say blow the load Ugh. well, you got it. um, let's see. Let's get down to business uh there are no reviews on iTunes. I don't understand do you hate me do you do you do you not do you not like what I'm doing? I'm just kidding. Uh so if you want to go do that, you can go on iTunes and give me some ratings. Uh, you know, you can you can leave a review as well if you want. I, I know you guys have your opinions and and I am I am fully aware of that. So go go, you know? Um yeah, so iTunes. Uh Twitter is interview a nerd. Where that's what we are on Twitter. You can go follow there. I do uh, use it to retweet some of the stuff that I do because, you know, when I'm reading comics, if I see something funny or interesting or sad or whatever, I do like to, if it's a physical comic, snap a snap a photo of that and post it on there. If it's a digital one, then I just do a screen grab. Uh, but anyway... Uh, that's that's what i do with that handle and then sometimes there's like interesting stuff that the uh creators of comic books are talking about that i like to retweet on there as well um not really in for, uh, a place for news but just you know interesting things to look at uh, we do have a website that is interviewacomicnerd.com. Each episode, you're able to go into the discuss session, session section. You're able to go into the discuss section and um, type up a little whatever you want to say about the episode that week. Uh, also, we have a guest page. So, any of the episodes that we do post, uh, any guests that were on that episode will have a link to the guest page, which talks a little bit about them and then has links to their you know, personal Twitters or anything that they're working on. So you can use that as a resource if you want to learn more about the guests that we're on, because they've all been pretty cool. Uh yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Um, you're free. Go fly, my babies. Uh, and have a good week, you know? That's it. That's all I got for you. So goodbye. Keep growing. Keep being kind. Keep loving each other. Uh that's it. Bye, my pupas.